Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Spectrum of Health podcast. I'm Dr. Christine Schaffner, and today my guest is Rosemary Bourne. Rosemary and I are going to be discussing esogetic color puncture. Rosemary began studying alternative therapies in Australia in the early 80s. She originally trained in shiatsu and macrobiotics, and this led her to an interest in Chinese medicine where she obtained a diploma of acupuncture in Sydney in 1984, and then a doctorate of oriental medicine from Chongzheng Medical Research Institute in China in 1985. In 1986, she went to live in India in an ashram to pursue her lifelong interest in meditation. It's there where she participated in a multidisciplinary healing center. And this is where she met Peter Mandel, a German naturopath and creator of esogetic therapies. He was invited to teach at the ashram and to join those trainings and has continued to study with him and follow the evolution of his work since that time. In 1993, she came to the U.S. and co-founded Esogetics USA and began to teach trainings nationwide. She also trained in somatic trauma release therapy, uh, the work of Peter Levine, and found that the combination of somatic release trauma therapy and esogetic therapies to be a profound healing modality. So I hope you enjoy this podcast today with Rosemary and I. Welcome, Rosemary. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. So we're super excited to have you. Thank you. I thank you very much for inviting me to join. Oh. Well, you know, I've known about color puncture over the years. It's just come and gone out of my um, viewpoint. And I, you know, I, I can't remember the moment, Rosemary, but um, I got super drawn to it. And I found your website and I found, you know, this whole organization um, of color puncture and found out that you lived in Marin County where I have a small practice and it just felt like a very synchronous timing. And I know that we've um, connected a few times and I'm just so honored and um, excited to learn from you today. Thank you. Actually, we are extremely close. We're a couple of blocks from each other. I'm at, I've actually been to your office. I had I met up with Ha Dung. Yep. Times, yeah. And uh, so, so yeah, we're we're very close by. I love it. I love how the world works, right? We couldn't have planned that, but I, I'm so glad that we're we're neighbors in Marin. And um, yeah, well, I would love to for you to take us on this journey of learning about. Uh, color puncture, and um, we'll talk a lot more about light as medicine and how our bodies communicate with light and how this is really a wonderful healing modality. But Rosemary, tell us how you found color puncture and really what are we talking about? Yeah, so I actually, I initially trained as an, an acupuncturist, as you've told people. And then when I when I finished my schooling, I, you know, I've, I've had a lifelong interest in meditation and I actually went to India and I was in an ashram in India and I was also practicing acupuncture. There was a, a, a multi-dimensional healing clinic there. And um, there was a man who was a member of the community. His name's Fausto Pagnamente and he was a Swiss pediatrician. And he had studied with Peter for many years and used the light therapies with his um, children um, for many years. And he's actually created a beautiful book called Children in the Light, mm. which is a wonderful book for parents and people working with children. And he came down to the ashram and taught a small class and brought several of Peter's books. And I was fortunate I was invited to be a part of that class. 
And then actually people got very interested and we invited Peter Mantel to come down and he would, got a fantastic response. There were several hundred people came to this initial training. And from then I just started uh, working with the system and gradually we started teaching trainings um, in the ashram, in this system and Peter kept coming back. He really enjoyed being there because, you know, the core of the work is really this um, process of being connected with yourself and with this beautiful field of light. So he really enjoyed being with people who were interested in consciousness and healing as a part of consciousness. So he wasn't sort of trying to prove his system only to you know, skeptical MDs at that point in Germany. So he kind of loved uh, coming down there. And then um, when that teacher of mine died, I came out to the States and we set up this institute here and, and started teaching here. Mm -hmm. So I've been studying with Peter for many, many years since 1989. Wow. Wow. What a journey. And um, what a, again, divine intervention that you all, your paths crossed at that time. Um, and so Peter, he developed what we call the esogetic, am I saying that right? So esoteric plus energetic system. And so can you just tell us um, what that means and um, the philosophy behind that? Yeah. So what Peter is really saying is, as I'm saying, that it's an esoteric. Mm -hmm. So there's one part, which is this, I think the core intention of Peter's work is really to connect people to their flow of information. And because he feels that if you're in your flow and you're unfolding your life in an authentic way, this is health. Mm -hmm. So that's the ascension energy. And then the energetic part is our life in the body. Mm -hmm. And so he's saying we want an integration of this energetic health and also this esoteric movement of our life in consciousness. So he calls that the cross of life. So this is the, you know, the ultimate uh, dynamic of health is to have these two things integrated. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that perspective. And, you know, what I always, you know, in a very different framework, I'm always talking to my patients how, um, you know, really health resilience, but also health is this ability for um, information to flow and to remove blocks to healing so the body can self-regulate and heal. And I know he's coming from it from this other perspective, but I think, you know, what a better way than um, acknowledging how our bodies um, are connected to this information source of, of light, not only that our bodies are made up of light, but also that respond and can um, heal with light. And so I think it's a beautiful um, yeah, just a whole, uh, there's so much to learn here. And we're, you know, at Sophia with Dr. Klinghardt, he's always incorporated this idea 
of you know light as medicine and using also color to help um, you know as part of our treatment protocols and you know just maybe to take a step in this direction I know we before we got on we were talking about this whole idea of biophotons and so um, you know when we're talking about light and color and health um, we have to acknowledge um, biophotons so can you um, share with the audience what are biophotons and how do we work with them yeah so this is a really interesting crossover because I think both Dietrich and Peter Mantle are incredible healers who've created their own unique systems of, of uh, energy regulation. And they both have this touchstone um, through their connections with, with Fritz Pop. Yeah. And, you know, Fritz Pop is a biophoton physicist and he started in the 70s to really investigate this phenomena of biophotons in the body. And we know that had it been around, this information had been around in Russia since the 20s, but then in Germany, they really started to investigate it. And what they really have understood is that in the hierarchy of the systems, um, the physics of light really sets up the chemistry in the body. And so um, he really discovered that at the cellular level, cells communicate via these particles of light, which are called biophotons. And normal cells emit a steady stream of harmonic stream of these photons and they communicate information between the cells. And in fact, it's quite incredible because at the cell wall, we know that there are actually 100,000 of these messages communicating per second. So there's this constant information exchange going on via this biophoton activity. And so what he demonstrated was that this is really a faster means of communication than via neural pathways or chemical messages. Mm -hmm. And so Peter Mandel then got very interested in this because this research revealed that biophotons move through the whole body independent of neural pathways. And so when we have a biophoton disturbance in the body, it means a disturbance in the biocommunication in the body. So this is really important for, you know, how we then initiate healing in the body. So what Peter started to do was to try to create devices that could support this um, biophoton balance and, and coherence in the body because when the cells are out of balance, there's a really nice little quote. Let me find it here. So when the cells lose this coherence, then we know, or they lose their capacity to store or receive coherent light, then the tissue is ill or it will become ill. So this is kind of the background to this. So the more unwell the cell is, the more the loss of this biophoton coherence. Yeah, that's a beautiful explanation. And really, as you mentioned, the backbone of how 
Dr. Klinghart really came up with autonomic response testing. So we're really looking for coherent uh, light emissions from the body. And um, whenever a, um, a part of the body is sick or diseased or unwell, we're finding stress that demonstrates that there's um, incoherent or um, light or even um, lacking light emissions, right? And so I, I think, um, you know, why I love doing these talks and learning from people like you is that it changes kind of our whole perspective of health, right? Because we're, we're taught, even if you don't go into medicine, we're talking biology that, you know, we're really this, you know, it's all about biochemistry. And that's really what, um, you know, our conventional medical paradigm is really based on is, you know, that we really need to manipulate and control biochemical pathways. And that's how someone gets better, how we uh, prevent or reverse a disease. And so this whole understanding and philosophy and framework completely turns that on its head that, you know, the light instructs the biochemistry is, is how I kind of, you know, think of it. And that there's this whole other faster, smarter, <laughs> uh, more elegant uh, tool to really recover one's health. And it's, it's a unified field. So I have a beautiful quote, maybe people would like to hear just some quotes. I have some quotes from Marco Bishop, which really picks up on what you're saying about this unified field and the qualities of this unified field. So exactly as you were saying, from the classical molecular view, of the biochemical school, they describe the organism, the, the biophoton physicists describe the organism as a macrocosmic quantum system in which not the particle aspect, but the holistic field predominates. So they assume that all the molecules of the organism are coupled with each other by a, this coherent radiant field in such a way that it forms this unity in which the biophotons can't be assigned anymore to any particular emitters, but are considered to be emitted by the organisms as a whole. And this regulates and controls all the life processes. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's very exciting. There's just one other quality of this that I find really, really wonderful is that then this biophoton field, he says, um, consists of light of a very high degree of order. So mm -hmm. it's actually a kind of a biological laser light. So such a light is very quiet and shows an extremely stable intensity without the fluctuations normally observed in light. Because of their stable field strength, its wavelengths can superimpose and by virtue of this, interference effects become possible that don't occur in ordinary light. So there's what they describe as this very high degree of order and then this biological laser light is able to generate and keep order and transmit information in the system. So, and uh, I did see this thing that Dietrich said that I thought was really fun was he said, even if you think about light, it increases the light activity in the brain. And I always feel this when I read about this biophoton field, because I feel everybody gets excited. Mm -hmm. So it's this beautiful, coherent 
kind of uh, biological laser light field that is the subatomic layer of our body and the informative energy of our body. So we want to keep our system open so it has access to this, uh, this coherent unified field. Mm -hmm. I love that. I've um, interviewed Dr. Rubik over the years who, you know, talks a lot about the biofield and, you know, putting a lot of, you know, her research and science around, you know, this um, truth of how um, we are created and how our bodies communicate. And I am, um, you know, I have, we, we can go in a couple different ways now, Rosemary, but I, I think for this, um, you know, to this point, I know that you've done some work with Karelian photography and kind of assessing, you know, the light body. And can you just speak to kind of some of the objective measures that we, you know, we have access to you know, at this time to look at people's, um, you know, unified field of light, whether it's their biofield or biophotons. And, you know, my understanding is, you know, obviously the work of Dr. Pop that we, of course, would want to have his equipment, you know, uh, maybe one day we'll, we'll get there to measure biofilms that are emitted from the human body. But we have, uh, we have objective, accessible um, tools to look at this. Yes. So, um, so what Peter uses is um, his uh, energy emission evaluation techniques, which is based on a Curlian machine that was developed by the Russians. And then the, and so what this machine does is it creates a, a charge, it's a charged dialectical plate and it measures the molecules coming out around the fingers and the toes. And so using this device, you can get uh, an incredibly nuanced picture of many levels of information because this is, is kind of an interesting um, thing with Peter is, so he's using devices, these custom-made quartz crystal um, light devices to activate and support this coherent field. And in the photo, you can see then which levels of blockage are going on. And so he talks about three levels, the information level, so the, act, the access to this subtle field. He talks about the energy level and he talks about matter. And in the Curlian, you can see the three levels of this. And so I find this really quite interesting because um, on one level, we're looking, obviously, when people come for a session, they bring the symptom, which is the block in the matter of the body, mm -hmm. yeah? And, and, and this is real and needs to be addressed. And so on one level, you can look at the Curlian and you can assess things like the physical focal intoxications through the emissions coming out, especially coming out of the thumbs. This is a, a really important area for the physical focal intoxications. Things like, you know, you've, you've been sharing a lot of talks, you know, the glymphomatic system, blocks in the sinuses, the retromolar area, the teeth, because all the teeth are projected. So these are all the physical focal intoxications, which are, are really important. And then you can track 
out through the curly and how systemic these things are. Mm. So that's one level that you can look at. And that's, so that's one aspect of the dynamic that he's working with. Then the other aspect of the dynamic is looking at the attachment system. So the whole somatic experience of the child and the way in which through that the formation of their attachment system with their parents, starting all the way from conception through the gestation period, the birth, age three, age six, age nine, age 12, how that then also blocks the, um, the child's access to their own information. So for example, if people go through experiences of abandonment, abuse, violence, um, they were born in Vietnam and there was the fall of Saigon and the mother was running to get out of, uh, you know, Saigon at that time, the shock to the child, all these different traumas, wars, etc how those then have an impact on the development of the brain and how when you have disruptions in the development of the brain, that transfer of information from the subtle field via the brain, which is the switchboard into the body gets disrupted. Mm -hmm. So looking at this interesting dynamic between what we call the physical and the psychological focal intoxications. Mm -hmm. And so the Curlian is really um, a very useful device for tracking both these aspects and seeing how they're um, entrapping each other in a way and how also what's really helpful is then you can look in the Curlian, you can see exactly where to go into work to kind of work with the locus minoris and kind of if we open here, this will create the flow. This will support the flow of that biophoton field and therefore initiate uh, a regulation. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I hope that's making sense. Oh yeah, I know maybe for someone who's new, this might be, you know, have to listen to this a few times, but I, I think, yeah, I think you're doing a beautiful job describing, you know, how, um, yeah, how all of this information instructs our physical body, because I you know a lot of my listeners might be suffering right now from yes. illness or that, you know, they've tried a lot of things and, you know, they're thinking maybe this resonates like, okay, maybe, you know, this is where I'm blocked or where I'm stuck. And so maybe at this point, Rosemary, you know, and you're um, already doing this, how you walk through and work with, you know, a patient who might have, you know, um, let's say, so a lot of my patients have insomnia or brain fog or chronic digestive issues. And so how do you, you know, unpack all this into like a tangible experience, um, you know, for a patient? Yeah, so, okay, let's, let's think about something like um, insomnia. Mm -hmm. I think what I was saying with that nexus between the physical focal intoxication and the trauma is that, or say, yeah, so is that 
what we've seen, say for example, with chronic pain, actually I'll just mention a little bit about chronic pain. Please do, yeah. So, you know, this is a, a horrible illness for people to have and it, you know, but what they found is that, so we know in the midbrain, for example, memories are stored in clusters of intensity. So every time you have uh, a certain frequency of shock and trauma, these get clustered together in your midbrain. Mm -hmm. So what they've discovered is if someone has a lot of early trauma and then they also have very serious pain incidences, these things wire together. So what we can do via the curlian is look and see, okay, if we can release some of that background trauma and uncouple some this large ball in the midbrain, then we again we can get the system flowing and 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 we can find a way for the person to have some internal sense of space where some healing energy can start to happen with the pain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. With something like insomnia, then we're really, we're looking to evaluate and see. So Peter discriminates between three primary categories of energy. So when you, someone comes in with insomnia, there's three categories. One is endocrine, which is functional states of, dysregulation. One is toxic, which is inflammatory, infective conditions. And the idea is there's a sort of a therapeutic progression that if you don't regulate the autonomic system, then it moves into states of um, reactions in the lymph, chronic inflammatory states, which then can move into uh, more tissue and cellular changes, so degenerative states. So the first thing we would be doing is to differentiate which category the person is sitting in, in that particular moment. And this can change, right? And one thing about energy medicine is it, it, it can be very fluid, it can move. Mm -hmm. Although usually when people are more seriously ill, it doesn't move there's this therapeutic rigidity. So insomnia often actually falls into that endocrine category. Mm -hmm. So then we start working with the different regulations that we have using all our different endocrine therapies and, um, you know, and then what's great with the Corellian is you can track I'm sure also with your response testing, that's what's really great is you, you try some things and then you see from the person's experience and then also from the Curlian, how are they doing? Are we going in the right direction? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, that's, it's, that's great. And um, no, it's really fun that you have that uh, measurement as well as, of course, symptom improvement, right? And, um, 
No, I, I think that um, that's, yeah, no, that's a great example. And I guess maybe we've talked about a little bit the devices that Peter has developed, but he has, you know, a system of devices that he used to apply the light and the color to the body on different points or, you know, in, in different methods. Um, can you just walk us through like some of the tools and devices and how, how that works? Yeah, so um, Peter, so, we're, so we got, in a way it takes us back to this, this kind of biophoton field and how we access this biophoton field. So um, one, of the, one of the things about, so I'll show you our light device, one of our light devices. So this is, a, this is one of the light devices. So this is one of the colors. I'll hold it up a little bit close so people can see it. Mm -hmm. So the key thing about this light device is that this crystal um, that we have in here is a custom-made quartz crystal. So um, the reason why we're using custom-made quartz crystals is because actually, again, <clears throat> through the research of Fritz Pop, with some um, research that he did, we know that quartz crystal can absorb and transmit information. And so it can access this biophoton field. It can support the transfer of information in this biophoton field because all quartz crystals emit a form of an EMF field. So that allows us to be aligned to these subtle fields. Mm -hmm. And this is just the actual structure of a quartz crystal, the molecular structure, because of its six-sided hexagonal shape, it has this infinite holographic geometry, which is the quality of this unified biophoton field. So the crystal itself, the actual molecular structure, makes this incredible, um, opens the dialogue to that field. So we have these kind of devices that we use. And then also we have other really beautiful large crystals, like so these kind of crystals that we use that are, are also working with sacred geometry just by the, the cut and uh, the shape of and the size so we use those also. Um, so, and then the other thing he has is he has a series of um, brainwave devices that he uses. So for example, this is one of his brainwave devices and he uses these a lot. So we were talking about the brain and the formation of the brain and how if we have a disruption in the regulation of the brain, then information can't transmit between the body and the field. We lose that coherent communication. So these brainwave devices work on beta, delta, alpha, theta and create uh, coordination in the brain, support coordination in the brain, again, to open that flow of information. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, the, the, they're beautiful, the, um, the crystal and the light. I mean, it's a beautiful technology and a beautiful treatment. Um, and I obviously like crystals and, you know, things in my, you know, in my world. So I, I just admire the beauty of them. And, and then I guess 
you know, we're, we're talking about light and we're not necessarily specifically talking about color yet. And so can you just talk about this, um, how you apply different colors um, in treatment and just, um, yeah, just an overview of how the color, the color and the light um, form a therapeutic effect? Yeah, because often what happens is when people come to classes is, so we start talking about biophotons and light, and everybody gets really excited. And then sometimes what people say to me is, well, why don't we just use pure light? Why, mm -hmm. why do we need to use colors? And the reason why we need to use colors is because the body gets dysregulated and what the colors do is they go in and they access um, those because each specific color uh, responds to a specific or corresponds to a specific wavelength and frequency. So obviously when you get a very complex disorder, you need to go in and get that very specific track into the brain to activate the hormones and the release of the chemicals to change that frequency. It's like we have to get much more specific. Mm. So this is why we need the colors, is the colors on one level, you know, you can think about the five elements from, you know, all traditional medicines. In a sense, we work with three complementary color pairs. So the red-green, for example, the red really works on, on one level, it's, it works on, you know, the blood circulation. Um, so certain types of chronic cold pain. And then the complementary color to that color is green. Green is, of course, um, you know, anti-inflammatory, anti-infection, also good for pain. Um, it's also extremely calming. So each one of these colors also has a very uh, powerful psychological effect. So that combination, I always say, is really working on the matter of the body. Mm -hmm. Then we, and, and to some extent, I was talking about degenerative states. Red green is very helpful for those degenerative states. Then we have blue orange. So blue orange is more for the hormonal, endocrine, emotional loop. So you have your chronically depressed people, actually, even if they can just wear orange glasses, mm -hmm. sometimes just for up to 15 minutes, every couple of hours, they can raise their mood or you can help people give up coffee using the orange glasses, you know, because they get that heavy exhaustion state sometimes. And then yellow-violet works on the lymph, mm -hmm. the limbic brain. So as I was saying, all the trauma, trauma memories, and, um, and then the digestive system. So we have these three primary pairs that we apply to, um, you know, to acupuncture because as, as you know, acupuncture points are light emitting and light receiving transmitters. Mm -hmm. So this is why we use the colors is to work with the details. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a beautiful explanation. And, you know, I, I put that up around the meridian system and, um, you know, I've, you know, studied um, 
Lei Wan Ho's work, and she talks about the, you know, the acupuncture meridian system is almost like this fiber optic system in the body, and it's a light conductive system. And when you just start thinking of the body as this, you know, of course, communication network, but um, that light is such an information carrier in the body. It just, it just, um, yeah, this all makes perfect sense, right? And so, um, so then again, if people are curious, um, so they would go to somebody like yourself or somebody who's trained by you or Peter and, you know, everyone, of course, the art and medicine is the, you know, how to apply this uh, knowledge and this, um, this framework to a person's body, but it would be like an acupuncture se session, but without needles, but with the application of those um, crystals with light and color and in pairing those in um, a way that really um, can start shifting and correcting the physiology is that the experience people would have? Yeah, because exactly. And actually, if you are an acupuncturist, actually in the Mandel Institute, they also use acupuncture. So in the system, um, the idea is first you open the channels with the acupuncture, and then you use the crystal devices to bring in the light and the color because we say information rides on energy and informs matter. Mm -hmm. So the idea is first you open the channel, but if you don't do acupuncture, you can also just use some stimulation on the points. There are a lot of different ways you can do that. So yeah, and sort of the art of it is really understanding the hierarchy of information, energy, the brain, and the body and then understanding which devices to use to support wherever you need to transfer. Mm -hmm. so I'll just give you one example of this. For example, we have some rods called the gray rods. So if you have somebody who's very therapy resistant, you would say, Peter says, it's as though you're looking in a mirror with your eyes closed. So the mirror is recognizing the information, but you're not getting it. So mm -hmm. say on a physical level, this could be elevated liver enzymes. So what we do is we use the gray rods. And in a sense, it's almost like putting a jumper cable on a car. We open the block using the gray rods to the information field. And then we use these various brain coordinating devices to support that transfer of information through the brain into the body. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's like, it's not random. He's created all these different devices over many years. I've watched all these devices be created and I've seen more and more how he has this capacity to get this very nuanced movement through the system. Mm -hmm. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, no, that's interesting. With the gray rods, um, would you say, would you apply them to like a focal infection or a focal interference field or that same kind of, I think we have slightly different words for the same idea that um, we see um, our scar, would you see that um, the gray rods kind of help to open that area of the block information? Say with a scar, with a scar, what we would do initially, because actually you can do a lot of work with scars. 
um, with the light, and I think it's really great. With a scar, you'd use the infrared pen. Peter has a non-visible infrared. It's 940 nanometers, so it's calibrated to go in and hit the cell wall. And so maybe initially, like I've worked with women, say, who've had C-sections, mm -hmm. so, you know, which is a pretty traumatic injury and it blocks all the meridians running up the front side of the, the body. So you really want to work with that scar. Initially, you might use the green. Mm -hmm. You might go all around the scar, like sewing. Mm -hmm. And then once this, and because the green's anti-inflammatory, anti-infection, and it'll bring down all the swelling, then you use the infrared to, because hitting on that 950 nanometers, hitting on the cell nucleus, then you get the, the, the biophotons to start moving again, mm -hmm. and heal, the healing to happen. And then if you like, way later, if you want to get the trauma out of the scar, you can use turquoise, which will open up the subconscious. But you don't do that till later, and then you can release the trauma, the psychological trauma. Mm -hmm. I love that. We use neurotherapy in the office, so we use this injection technique. Um, but it's, it's great to see this whole other tool and then they probably work together and then of course people who can't get to a neurotherapist or whatnot but um you know scars from our it's one of the things that i enjoy supporting patients with the most because they're you know these um people don't think of a scar and how that can affect um you know yeah. their lymphatic system and their fascial system and can hold this trauma and of course affect the flow of information and energy in their body and so they're a really important um piece of healing and kind of opening up um, flow in the body. So I, I love um, your system because not everyone loves needles <laughs> either. So it's, um, it's great to have options. Exactly. Some people come because they don't want needles. Mm. You know, it's just too strong for them. And, and yeah, exactly. It's really good to have a whole range of options. It's interesting that what you're saying, because I met one woman very recently who'd had five C-sections and honestly, after that fifth C-section, and she was an MD, so she knew a lot. But after that C fifth C-section, her marriage ended and her body went into a very strange state of dysregulation. She gained a ton of weight. Mm. And I really felt when I, I just accidentally saw the scar Mm -hmm. And it was a training where we were doing something completely different. It was a whole um, other system we were teaching. But I actually spent the whole weekend just working on her scars. Mm -hmm. um, it, and by the end, I felt she was way more stabilized because it was just such a glaring block in her mm -hmm. body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I'm so glad you um, treated that and saw that. And that's amazing. Five you know, surgeries. I mean, that's a lot of trauma to that tissue, right? And so, yeah. so that's, that's fascinating. Um, Rosemary, tell us a little bit about, you know, we, you know, do neurofeedback in our office and there are all sorts of different, you know, neurofeedback tools. And, you know, especially there's a little bit, you know, more technologies always coming on the market that people can even buy at home without a practitioner. So can you just tell us how, what um, Peter created as far as the brain coordination um, device and, you know, a little bit about how that works and how you use that in your practice? Well, as I was saying, the, the brain waves really fit 
the brainwave therapies obviously really fit with this idea of supporting brainwave coordination. So he has, because Peter says that the brainwaves are initiated through the thalamus, thalamus sets the rhythm of the brain, but in coordination with the pineal, which he says is then the portal to the zero point field. Mm -hmm. Zero point field gets shut down, that excess, say for example, with fluoride, mm -hmm. right? Fluoride's a really bad one. You can see it in the iris. They get these little white spots, calcifications in the pineal area. Then mm. you're not getting that vitalizing information, brain coordination goes off. So he says when the brainwave coordination goes off, all diseases in the background have this brainwave dysregulation. Mm. So it's not, so Peter says the brain is like the middle management. It doesn't have the script. It doesn't, but if we don't have that switchboard happening, there's no communication going on. So he has a couple of different devices. This is what we call a home synapse device. Mm -hmm. This one's really great. This is actually something that people can buy themselves. And I love this because they can then use this at home on a daily basis. There are about 40, 40 different programs that he has, all different kinds of hormone stress, stress in the head and neck, high beta states, different insomnia therapies, pain therapies, cognitive therapies, you know, many conflict therapies. My favorite is the gamma therapies, which just open that field of coherence in the brain. And I use that to go to sleep every night. And it really supports me to feel really better resourced and more creative. So that's one that we have. And then we have specific ones that you can use in the clinic, more like the professional model, where you can run individual brain waves through uh, individual points, depending on what you test. And you can either do the, you can see through the curlium, but you can also test on the forehead and you can uh, get information about which brainwave is out of regulation, which organ it's affecting and so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. That's yeah, that's really cool. I'm always looking for, you know, technologies to support my patients. And I, I love, I mean, I've heard this in different ways, but I, I love this um, idea that, you know, the brain, um, you know, the, we need the brain to basically transmit the information to the rest of the body from the field to the body. So it, it's this, uh, of course, very <laughs> important organ that we all know. And, you know, it's sad because we've seen all of these you know, we see a lot of neurodegenerative disease and, you know, cognitive issues and, you know, obviously rates of dementia and Alzheimer's are going up and neurological disease is going up in general. So it's so critical to keep our brains um, for the health of our body. Yeah. So, of course, there's all the, the focal intoxications, all the toxins. And, and then, but then also, you see, as I mentioned before, the brain is not fully formed till you're age 25. And actually, a, having a poor attachment system, severe abandonment and neglect can also give you a type of brain damage. 
Mm. So, for example, if they look at the brains of these little Russian adopted children who've been left, say, for the first year of their life and not touched, they find that their amygdala pit, which should be like a little spongy goji berry, is sometimes hard like a rock. Mm. And so, you know, this has severe consequences then for their whole social engagement system. And um, and then all the consequences in the body and the physiology in reaction to this. So also you can use these kind of devices to work with all that psycho spiritual material, which I which I think is really important. And when you see people who are seriously ill, as I was mentioning, say with the chronic pain, often what you see is this overcoupling of the heavy trauma. And then they get something like, they get a serious pain issue or something like Lyme. The system's already weakened. The information transfer is already very poor because of the shock to the brain through the attachment system. And then it, it, it's, it's how, how little resiliency it has then to take on this resolution of this uh, external uh, injury to the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, we talk about trauma a lot, but I, what you just shared, I think you really illustrated the physical impact, you know, of traumas because sometimes it sounds uh, too esoteric for people to understand how their trauma affects their physical body, but yeah, with the abandonment issue and then, um, you know, what you just shared, I think it's, um, yeah, I think uh, trauma, I mean, we we're big, believers of, you know, this, um, you know, trauma absolutely and being a susceptibility or a vulnerability to chronic disease. And we've also seen that with, um, you know, I've had people come on here and talk about um, the ACE study and the ACE score and how adverse child events um, are absolutely a predictor for chronic illness. And so I think we, um, you know, we're, we're, it's getting there. People are that there's more information, but I think we still have a lot a long way to go to make this just an integrated part of any recovery plan for any health condition. I think we have to look at that. Yeah, it is really interesting uh, with pain. Um, Robert Shea, he's an MD. He wrote this book, The Body Bears the Burden. So they started looking at this and he's tracked this about how race car drivers very rarely develop chronic pain after injuries, and they were really fascinated by this. And what they discovered was that they don't have an experience of helplessness in the face of the accident. Mm. And then it's just part of their job. Also drunks don't have an experience of helplessness, but if people who develop chronic pain often have many incidents of stored experience of helplessness already, then that accident and that experience of helplessness overcouple, and then you get this tendency towards developing chronic pain, which is sometimes no longer associated with a physical injury anymore. Mm. The brain just keeps queuing off via mm. mm. various somatic cues. So, Peter works with this a lot. This is why I'm mentioning this. And so, and we're talking about the brainwave devices. So the brainwave devices can just keep giving the brain an experience of a state of regulation 
So you can get a little space to kind of, in a sense, start a new moment mm -hmm. and find some kind of traction towards moving to the healing vortex, mm -hmm. moving out of the trauma vortex. Mm -hmm. I love it. I love how you imagine all this. Um, so Rosemary, I mean, we've covered a lot and I want to um, make sure people understand you know, how you work and what you, um, you know, what you teach and how you train people. And if people are interested on in learning more from you, um, can you share a little bit about your work and your trainings? Oh, my trainings. Yeah. So we've been teaching here in the U.S. since 1993. It's been uh, really, uh, really amazing, actually. I've met so many incredible healers, actually, that was been a incredible side opportunity of this. So we start and we do simple introductory courses for people, um, just to give them an overview of the system. And then we have a certification training that people can do, um, where we do a lot of hands-on work. I, I'm really missing that right now. I'm actually teaching my certifications online because mm -hmm. we're in the online moment. But we're all really missing it because I love to do the practical sessions and find actually doing the sessions. We, there's, of course, lots and lots of conceptual material, fascinating. Peter's system is uh, very, very profoundly articulated. But then actually applying things and seeing what happens to people in the sessions and the process that even the... the um, people who are training go through um, is just uh, for me really there's a lot of learning in that and then they can uh, they can study Curlian and then every year Peter does these wonderful interesting updates um, and so then we present that material there are one-day webinars like for example on burnout sleep disorders different different special topics. There's a three-part pain webinar on these beautiful crystals. Because some people actually, we have some therapists, so I'm just gonna hold it up again, just because they're fun to see. Mm -hmm. so these crystals, there are actually a lot of different crystals that he has. So some people just use that part of the system. Maybe they're subtle energy body workers. So they don't want to do the whole medical part of the system. And they use the crystals with their subtle energy body work. And um, they're fantastic. Those crystals uh, just create a huge, huge shift in the energy. I'm working with one woman right now in Hawaii and she works with newborn babies. Oh. And I've been supporting her a lot. I just totally love it and she's doing little crystal therapies on these newborn babies and oh, yeah and that's just then she sends me photo after photos of oh. them just you know <laughs> blasting out <laughs> in the world right now yeah we need to create strong children yeah i have a two-year-old and i um, am very aware of you know, they're our future, right? And, you know, when they come, you know, when children are born and when they're new to the earth, you know, it's just amazing how much light and joy and, you know, love they come here with, you know, it's our job to keep that, keep that, you know, facilitating that. 
to keep that um, connection to that flow of information because mm -hmm. yeah. they they come in they're connected that's like we, why we like hugging them and holding them mm -hmm. so these devices are like little portals to that field i often feel like i i put my crystal on because also sometimes i put my crystal on before i go to bed and then i feel i just go you know it's a little star trek and i kind of <laughs> go through it connect and it's such a lovely thing what a beautiful system and a beautiful modality and i i'm just super intrigued and um, I want to study with you and learn more. It's been on my to-do list for a while, and um, I know us connecting today will will definitely be doing more of this. And it just, um, you know, Peter and Dr. K are both these brilliant minds that got downloaded with, I think, a lot of wonderful information and went in those slightly different directions, but it integrates, you know, so beautifully. So I think, um, so yeah, I think there's a lot of synergy um, in their work, and um, I think, you know, combining a lot of this is only going to help more of our patients. And, you know, we have to get really creative these days to help the people that we're seeing people, you know, that we see, and I'm sure you see, it's not like they've been sick for a month, you know, they've been sick for a long time and they just need to have this other perspective of how to heal because often the people we see aren't, aren't served by all the things they've tried. So, um, no, I just appreciate all the innovation and creativity and, you know, just bringing, um, you know, these concepts into um, tangible light. Cause I, I do feel, I mean, I, I think if this is new to someone, they're probably gonna have to listen to this again, but you know, a big part of when I did the body electric summit and we're going to do another one and um, it's just really just giving people the tools and the language to talk about energy and light and physics and how, um, you know, it's not, um, not and not inaccessible that it's a very rooted in science studied and objective part of life that we just maybe under acknowledge right now yeah i thought it was really interesting because i listened to the body electric talk from dietrich which was mm -hmm. so fantastic and i loved it that he kind of said this knowledge has been around in russia since the 20s then in the 70s fritz pop picked it up but there he was, he was at Northwest University for many years and only maybe in the last 10 or 15 years, all this frequency medicine has started to get some acknowledgement in the US anyway. I think in Europe they're, you know, they're better versed in it. But yeah, it's just understanding these uh, beautiful layers of the body and that we are actually at the deeper level connected to this unified field. And um, once people understand that, then it's, it, it, it makes more sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. Well, I am sure we could talk all day, Rosemary, and I've a lot from you today. And um, thank you just for all of this beautiful explanation and this exploration and um, teaching my audience about color puncture and biophotons and light. And um, if people want to find out about you, we'll have a link to your website, but if you could just mention your website here so they can uh, search for you and we'll have that in the show notes as well. It's called colorpuncturusa.org. Great. Yeah. Well, it's a joy uh, interviewing you and thank you again so much for your time and being on the podcast. Thanks for all your great questions and your incredible support for me to share this material.